so I'm kind of all out of sorts, to be honest with you. We've been in this series called Encounter, and we're going to continue the series today. And even though today is Home Run Sunday, and it's kind of about League of Our Own and all of that, um, I, I feel like there's something that needs to be said today. And, and it's, it's pretty simple, right? I mean, that's what we do here. The, the, the statements are simple. Putting them into action are incredibly hard, right? The truth of God's Word the way Jesus spoke to all of us was incredibly simple, but man, putting those actions into motion, or those words into action, that is incredibly difficult so many times. The, the message I want you guys to hear that I believe that God has laid on my heart for every single one of us today is to love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, my goodness, can you think of anything that Jesus could have said that would have been so incredibly simple, yet so incredibly hard all at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, we can almost grasp when Jesus says there's two important commandments. you got to remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then he goes and he makes it incredibly difficult. And he goes, but also love your neighbor as yourself. And we go, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Like, I could almost grasp the first one. That was hard enough, but then you throw the second one on top of me, and man, that is incredibly difficult. So today, that's the message, love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to put those words into action at the 11 o'clock service, right? When a league of our own comes in here, and we worship Jesus by serving other people, like we talked about last week, we're going to put those words into action in just a little bit. So I want us to be a people that understand God's word, and then we do what God says we're supposed to do with it. Because that's how the family of, of, of God is recognized, right? You know that Jesus, he was, he was teaching and he was all crowded with people. His, um, his, his brothers and, and, and his mother couldn't get in to see him. And, and he, what did he say? They're like, hey, Jesus, man, your, your, your family's outside. And he said, no, no, no. He said, you don't understand. He said, the people that are my family are the people that hear the word of God and do it. That's the people who are my family. So, so and my mothers and brothers, they're, they're, they're blood kin. Yeah, I got that. But my family is the people that, that hear the word of God and actually put it into action. So I want us to be the brothers and sisters of Jesus today, right? So let's put those words into action. So I, I want to show you an example of some guys that kind of did everything they could to get, themselves, get this, this friend of theirs, this neighbor of theirs, to Jesus. So you've, you've seen this story a million times. We're going to put it up on the screen. You can watch it again. Just let God penetrate your heart with that message today. So let's go ahead and roll the video right now. How shall we picture the kingdom of God? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. The smallest seed in the world. Yet, when planted, it grows up. 
going on? It becomes a tree where birds can come. He's paralyzed. And make their nests. I've forgiven my son. Did you hear that? He has forgiven his sins. I thought only God could do that. It's not blasphemy. He knows. It is blasphemy. Is that your wish, my friend? Answer me. Tell me which is easier. To say his sins are forgiven. Or say he... Get up. And walk. Son of man has authority to forgive sin. I can't help but to think about a couple of things when I I see that, and as I read this account in Mark chapter 2, which is where we'll be today, um, it's a couple of things that come to mind, and I, I can't help but to, to look at them and, and think about these guys that brought them to Jesus. They brought this man to Jesus. Um, I, I've told you many times before that God uses us as instruments in God's hands in order to bring people to Jesus. Well, here is a perfect example of that, right? Like a literal example of people saying... We need to get this guy to Jesus. Now, I cannot, I can only speculate about their, their motivations for wanting to get this guy to Jesus. So many people surrounded Jesus because they understood that he had healing power. They understood that, that he had amazing supernatural abilities, and they didn't necessarily all get it. I think some people began to understand that this indeed was the Son of God. And here Jesus was making the claim to be the Son of God by saying that he had the power to forgive sins. But there was a lot of people that just hung around Jesus because he could do some really cool stuff and he could make paralyzed people be able to walk. And they were just intrigued by that. But here we see some guys that wanted to get this, this man to Jesus because he was paralyzed. So let's look at this account in, in Mark chapter 2. 
and see what God's Word has to say to us. Admittedly, we're going to be a little bit shorter today than we ordinarily would be um, because we need to prepare for our uh, visitors that are coming at 11 today. So, In Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, when Jesus returned to Capernaum uh, several days later, the news spread quickly that he, was, that he has come, was come back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's Word to them, Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole in the roof above his head. Then they lowered this man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. I want you to understand something. That as Christians, as Christ followers, as people who have had a genuine encounter with Jesus, as people who have encountered, have encountered Jesus ourselves, we have something within us that we carry around with us. And some people, they just, quite aren't, they just aren't quite there yet. They're on the edge. That they're, like, they're trying to understand. And I believe that God gives us the ability and the opportunity to take those paralyzed people and say, man, you know what? You just need to come with me. Now, I'm not saying that you need to club somebody over the head and drag them into church. I'm not saying that's necessarily the way that it needs to happen because I know how you feel. Some people, you just want to do that, right? Like, I, like you've got to know what I know and you've got to see what I've seen. And, and I'm telling you, I, I, my life has changed and you're like, you just want so desperately that, for them to get it. Okay, I know that that's a frustration in your life because that's a frustration for me. I see people and I, I've talked to them and talked to them. And I'm like, please come. Please see what God can do. Please open your heart, open your life and see Jesus Christ and what he can do in your life. And, and it's like, man, they just, they're just on the edge. But we really can be instruments in those people's lives to get them to a place where they can, they can see Jesus for themselves. Now, I want you to understand something, that, that sometimes people have the wrong motivation, okay? That, that they'll come to church with the wrong thing on their mind, right? Like, I'm coming to get a hot dog, okay? Like, uh, you know, like they're serving hot dogs at the church. I like hot dogs. I'll go to that place where they have hot dogs, right? So let me tell you something. I, I have found a number of people... I have seen a number of people over time that they had the wrong motivation, but Jesus interrupts their life, and like all of a sudden they're like, I see it for the first time ever. So I don't want you to think that if they're coming with the wrong motivation necessarily, that God won't be able to reach them, because that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes, because they see evidence in our lives, because we're doing our best to bring somebody closer to Jesus, they see that, number one, and they see the passion and the desire that you have to bring somebody closer to Jesus... That speaks to them, number one. Then something happens when they get in the presence of other believers and, and the Holy Spirit. They're like, man, these are people that they're not just undergoing some kind of mass delusion. You know what I mean? Like these are not people that are just psychotic and they're just imagining all this stuff. There's a bunch of people that have had an encounter with Jesus and maybe there's something to that. So then they get in the presence of that and they're like, it starts to open their eyes a little bit more. God is using us to literally literally carry these people a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And then the Holy Spirit starts to work on them. And before you know it, tears are rolling down their eyes and they may be standing at the back of the room and they don't understand what's going on, but God's speaking to them. 
They just came for a hot dog, but what's happening is the Holy Spirit of God has gotten a hold of them. And things are starting to happen in their minds and in their hearts. They're like, I never really thought that this was real. And, and all of a sudden today, God speaks to them. And they're, they're, they're like overwhelmed with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're just like, yes, you see. You finally see. Now here's something else I want you to see. That God, Jesus, God in the flesh was there. And he was uh, with this man. You know what I don't see in here? This, this, is, this is really cool to me. You know what I don't see? I don't see a sinner's prayer in here. What could that mean, Kenny? What could that mean? Well, let, let's, let's not ignore the fact that the sinner's prayer is not anywhere in the Bible, okay, first of all. But, but what has happened here is that God has seen this man's heart. He knows this man's heart. And the man didn't have to utter a word. He had a, he had a heart of repentance. He had a heart of faith, and because of that, God rescued him from his sin. And he says, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now, what does this mean? What, we're about to have some students, some, uh, students some, uh, some young adults come in here from a league of our own. And they may not be able to speak, some of them. And they may not be able to say a sinner's prayer. Does that mean that they can't be saved? Is that what that means? Could it be that, that God knows their heart in such a way that he knows that they have faith, he knows that they, they have a repentant heart, a desire for the things of God, and because of that, they're saved? Oh, now, here's, here's the thing, though. There, there's some people that are about to get... They're about to get all wrapped up in this and go, well, that is good news for me because I'm kind of a back row kind of dude and I don't really like to, to stand up and be bold about my faith in Jesus Christ, but I have faith and, I, you know, I'm saved and, 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 and I'm good, man. I just, I, I kind of I sit here and I don't really say anything about Jesus, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm saved because God knows my heart. He knows I have a repentant heart. And he knows I have faith in him. I would challenge that thought for just a second. Because I believe that if you can speak, you will speak. Amen. That if you have a genuine faith in Jesus Christ, and he has rescued you from death to life, that I won't have to ask you to be baptized. You'll be begging me to be baptized and say, I want the whole world to know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. I can speak, so I will speak, because Jesus has changed me forever. Right? right? But I'm a shy person. But I'm a shy person. I don't care. I really don't care. I don't, I don't think that is an excuse for sitting there and being complacent about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. If he, if he has rescued you from death to life and you are changed forever as a result of an encounter with God incarnate. I mean, like he has just rescued you. I don't understand why you would just want to sit there and say, man, I'm saved. I do nothing. I don't want anybody to know about it because I'm a private person. I'm a shy person. I don't think that's an excuse. I really don't. I think the truth is when God gets a hold of you, I think you want people to know. I think you want people to know. So here we, uh, we see these four guys. Man, they can't even find a way into Jesus. But they know that this guy's got to get to Jesus somehow, some way. So they, the, the roofs in that day, if you can imagine, you know, we kind of saw it a little bit there. There would be like these beams, these log beams, and then there would be sticks on top of that, and then there would be thatch on top of that. So they literally had to dig through the roof, you know what I'm saying? So um, I had a uh, somewhat of a, a personal experience with this, this through-the-roof experience. Um, 
Some of you may know this about me, but, but a while back, like over a year ago, I actually fell through the ceiling in my garage. That was not, I mean, I felt like I had an encounter with Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, but I was, I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was doing something dumb, I'm sure. But I had a drill in my hand. I can't even remember what I was there for, but I'm working around the house. I got a drill in my hand and I, Cassidy's in her room and I, I, we got a, a walk-in area for, uh, for our attic and I'm walking around and I stepped off one of the planks and uh, I, I don't really know what happened because it was one of those things where you ever, you ever like fall so fast you don't know where you are and how you got there, you know what I mean? Like one of those times you're just on your back looking up at the sky going, oh my gosh, where am I? You know what I mean? Like it was one of those experiences where I, I fell through, through the ceiling, through the drywall and I'm like, hanging there in my garage like this with the drill still in my hand. I got, I got one, one hand up on the board like this, and I don't remember how I got there. All I know is that I'm hanging in my garage. My car's below me. You know, I'm like, I thought I was in the attic, and now I'm in the garage, and, you know, how did this happen? And, and then I got to make the decision because I'm hurting real bad, right? I got to make the decision, what do I do now? Do I drop down onto my car? Do I, you know, because then I'll like bounce off the car and that won't be pretty. So finally, I kind of like, <laughs> I'm like a pendulum. I'm up there swinging myself and I swing myself over beside my car and drop down. And man, let me tell you, I, I had these scrape marks, man, just like up my side. I, I had a picture, but I'm not going to show you the picture. I, I didn't even give Brett the picture. I don't want y'all to see it because I want to spare y'all from my physique. But anyway, so... I, <laughs> Why do y'all laugh at that? Like, I said a bunch of funny stuff, and y'all didn't laugh hardly at any of it. And then I say something about my physique, and everybody's like, ha, 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 ha. Anyway, so, like, it just scraped me, like, all up in here. I mean, it's like, just nasty. I, and I lay down in the floor, and I'm starting yelling, Cassidy, Cassidy, you know. And, and she comes running down the stairs because she goes, well, Dad was in the attic, and now he's coming in the garage something's different, you know what I mean? Like, something doesn't add up here. So I'm just like, I said, call your mama. And I'm like laid out there on the floor like this. I said, check me for holes. You know what I mean? Like, I said, I got blood pouring out anywhere. Does anything look like a fountain? You know what I mean? Please, I'm rolling around the floor. Oh, my goodness, this was a terrible experience. But this guy gets dropped down through the roof, right? And he gets, he gets brought right in front of Jesus. And Jesus, yes, indeed, he wants to heal him because he sees that this man's in desperate need of healing. But he sees a deeper need in this man that is beyond being paralyzed. And that is a need within this man's soul. And here he's got people looking all around at him going, what, what, what is this guy doing? Because look at what Jesus says. He says, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now this is a very big deal in Jesus' day. The Pharisees would have not been tolerant of this at all. Listen to what it says. But some of the teachers, verse 6, of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? Now they think into themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Then Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them. So, so here's a guy that can heal a paralyzed man, forget, says he can forgive sins, and he's reading their thoughts. All of this happening at the same time. And he says, he knows what they're thinking. Why do you question this in your hearts? So Jesus obviously can read people's hearts, and he's reading their hearts right now. He says, why do you question this in your hearts? 
Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up and pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praising God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. So all of the people sitting there that day had an encounter with Jesus. The men who brought the paralyzed man to Jesus, they had an encounter with Jesus. Now, now they may have been standing up on the roof looking down through the hole, but they had an encounter with Jesus. The paralyzed man had an encounter with Jesus. The onlookers had an encounter with Jesus. The Pharisees that were there, the teachers of the religious law of the day, had an encounter with Jesus. But here, here, what do we see? We see the man with a, a heart of faith, a man with a repentant heart, a man who did not have to say anything. Jesus looked at him and said, your sins are forgiven. And everybody else was questioning it and they were wondering and, and like everybody was like, how does he have the authority to do this? And he proves to everybody who he is, that he is indeed the son of the living God. And he says, I have the authority to do this. Because I am the son of man. I, I am the son of God. And he forgives the man's sin. And he asked the Pharisees, he said, what's easier? Can I just look at him and say your sins are forgiven? Or ask him to stand up, take his mat, and walk home? Which, which is easier? Now, in, in their minds, they're, they're, like, they're like, well, it's probably easier to... To say his sins are forgiven because we don't really know if they are or not. But in, in reality, if he gets up and walks, then that's going to be a pretty good trick. And that's exactly what's on the minds of the onlookers there that day. And they see this man. Jesus says, get up. Take your mat and go home. Now, here's the thing, y'all. When somebody has an encounter with Jesus, there's a lot of onlookers. There's a lot of people that, that look and they see, man, there's something going on there. There's something supernatural going on there. But every single one of those onlookers that day had a choice as to how they respond to that. How they, how they respond to what they saw was a supernatural work of God going on in their presence. And every single person that comes in, in contact with a, another believer, they have a choice as to how they respond to it. Now, I want you to understand that not everybody's going to respond the same way. Some of them are going to look at it and go, well, that's a pretty cool trick. I like the way that that looks. I wonder what's going on there. And then some of them are going to look at it and go, that's not really God at work. That's not really what's going on there. And they'll refuse to see with open eyes and open hearts the fact that, that God is in the very presence of what is happening there. And they'll question everything. There were some that even questioned whether or not Jesus' power were, was given by God or given by Satan. And, and the Pharisees a lot of times would say it was given by Satan himself. And here we see the Pharisees. They see, you don't have the authority to forgive sins. You don't have that authority. That is blasphemy against God to say that you are like God. So what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? He says, you think that I'm just saying some words. 
You think that it's just words coming out of my mouth when I say that his sins are forgiven. But I'm going to show you that his sins really are forgiven because I am about to display the supernatural power of God through this person. And he stands up and he walks. Only God can make a paralyzed person walk. Now, now, now I want you to hear that very clearly, okay? Some people are like, we got some really good doctors out there. I, I'm telling you. Only God, through the power of God, can a paralyzed person walk. Does God sometimes use doctors to facilitate that and make that happen? Absolutely, but I'm telling you, only God can make a paralyzed person walk. And some people look at that and they don't recognize that it's God at work. And the Pharisees didn't recognize that it was God at work. Does that mean that, that, that we're supposed to be frustrated by that? That we're supposed to, to be like, man, I'm just spinning my wheels by, by, by serving, by doing these things? No, I don't believe so. Because I believe that there are a lot of those onlookers that day, including some of the disciples of Jesus, that would give their life sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That they would sacrifice everything. Hanging upside down on a cross, being burned at the stake. John being being. being hot boiling oil poured on him to try to kill him and he's still on the island of Patmos writing down what God has shown him in the book of Revelation I mean like they just account after count being beat with a club to the point of death account after count of these men who were so changed by the fact that they recognized that this was God that this was God at work and every single person has a choice and looking at what's happening and to see what God is doing and how God is at work, and they have a choice as to how they respond to it. My prayer, my prayer is that us as the onlookers, as, as here in just a little bit, we're going to be serving people in the name of Jesus Christ. My prayer is that the people will look at that and say that that is a supernatural work of God. And they will embrace it that they will forever be changed by what God is doing and they see God at work in people's lives they will forever be changed by that and they too will come to faith in Jesus Christ that they will hear the good news of the gospel which is that Jesus has the authority to forgive sin because there's a lot of people carrying around a lot of sin and a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and they feel like that they're so weak they're so impotent they're so paralyzed by this sin that they can barely move let's bring those people to Jesus today Let's show them the love of God today. Let's show them that, that Jesus Christ is the answer to every single question that they have. Though they may feel paralyzed by fear or shame or doubt or all of those things, and they don't know what to do, or maybe their world is crashing in around them because they've got health issues in their family that they're having to deal with. So, some of the families that will come in here today have sons and daughters that are struggling with, with autism and, and inability to communicate socially and all of these kinds of things. And, and they're, they're lacking in hope. They're, they're lacking in, in what, what's going to happen with my son or daughter. And, and that fear overwhelms them. That fear terrifies them to the point where they just feel like they can barely move. Man, will we be instruments in God's hands to say today, I want you to see what God has done in my life. And though you may feel like, man, there, there, there's no hope, I'm telling you, there's hope. You, should, you look at where I came from and where I am today, that there's a change, a transformation that can happen within you too. 
And when we do that, I really believe that is the definition. That is the purest definition when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. We care a whole awful lot about ourselves, don't we? We, we, we would do anything for ourselves, just about. Are, are we doing that for the people we come in contact with? Do we so desperately care about them that we're dealing, doing whatever it takes to show them the love of Christ and bring this good news of the gospel to their front door? Is that the passion of our lives? Is that the devotion of our lives? Are we willing to give up everything, sacrifice everything so that people can see Jesus Christ in our lives every place that we go? If it's not, if it's not, then we need to repent. We need to repent. And we need to turn back to Jesus Christ and we need to say, God, you have done everything. And I have forgotten about it. I let it slip, slip through my fingers. I, I, I've let it pass through from one ear to the other, out of my ears. And God, I know that, 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 that you're calling me, Lord, to do something more, to, to continue to live this, this sacrificial life that you lived for me. And I know that you're calling me to be a person who takes up his cross and follows you. But God, I haven't done that. I haven't done that. Will you serve Christ in that way today? Will you be an ambassador of Christ that way today? Will you do whatever it takes to bring people into the presence of Jesus? By serving them, by helping them in whatever way you can, if that means literally carrying them by doing that, will you do that? If you, want, you, either, if you won't do that, you either need to repent or you need to say, Jesus Christ, I need you to rescue me. I need you to save my soul because I'm not a Christian. That's the message of loving your neighbor as yourself. If God has spoken to you and you know that you're not a Christian, I invite you to come and say, God, take over my life. I want the whole world to know that I'm a Christ follower and I'm willing to profess that before everybody. If I'm able to speak, I will speak and I'll only be able to speak about you. If that's the meditation of your heart, come and let him rescue you today. If you're simply in need of revival in your heart because you have not been that ambassador of Christ that you've been called to be, that you feel weak and unable and like there's just, there's just no opportunities for you, then come and say, God, I'm sorry that I haven't had my eyes open and my heart open to what you've called me to do. If you've had opportunities but you let them pass by, will you come today and ask Jesus Christ to forgive you and say, God, I may not have done it today. I may not have done it yesterday, but tomorrow I will bring somebody, bring them on their mat to you and say, God, this person needs you. That's the invitation today. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Have you yourself been rescued? Do you recognize who Jesus is and the authority that he has in your life? Are you weak? Or do you feel like you've been paralyzed by the things of this world and you just need a, a touch from Jesus today? You're invited to come as well. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for how you speak to us. Thank you, God, for never leaving us alone. Thank you, God, for just continuing to uh, give us opportunities to serve you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, there's so many things that we overlook day by day, and, and Lord, we need to repent of those. The, the people that we encounter, the people that we know, they don't have a relationship with you. I, I pray, Lord, that we would, 
we would be true ambassadors of Jesus Christ, that the meditation of our lives would be the ones where people see, man, that is a supernatural work of God. May we not be just people that sit around and do nothing, Lord. I pray that we'd be people that are in your family. We're called to action as a result of what your word says. Lord, and then for, for people today, now the world has crushed them. It's all around them, and, and Lord, it's been overwhelming. It's a result of just the sin that's in this world has brought death and disease into this place, and Lord, it's overwhelming. God, I pray for restoration for them today. God, we all desperately need you, and as we've proven time and time again in this place that, that God, none of us, none of us looks too highly upon ourselves to say that we've got an answer, that we know the answer. God, Jesus is the only answer, and we acknowledge that today. So, Lord, I pray that you would rescue us, rescue us from ourselves, rescue us from our sins. God, may we be people that that draw people to you as a result of the supernatural work in our lives. God, thank you for the encounter that I had with Jesus and how my life was forever changed by that. Lord, thank you, Lord, for saving me. God, I pray that I would do everything I can to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ by being somebody that can carry a mat today can serve in the name of Jesus Christ today, Lord, and that you be glorified and that people see Christ in me. So, Lord, I pray that we all just respond to you as you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone please stand?